0: Father, thank you for our children. They are a hope and a joy and a light in our lives that is a gift from you. I pray, Lord, that you would bless each one of these children that you've brought here, that as they hear your word this morning, as they learn about who you are, I pray, Lord, that they would see you and hear your voice and those that teach them and they would be drawn to you with an irresistible love. That their faith would be real and strong in you. Lord, that you'd strengthen that faith. And that that faith would be an abiding faith all the days of their lives. That they'd walk strong with you. Lord, we come to this time now. We open your word. And we as your children come to sit at your feet, Lord, and hear you speak to us. Prepare us now, I pray, with hearts that are ready, alert, hungry for you, and thankful, Lord, that we are known by you, loved by you with your eternal love, and that now we return a heart of gratitude and worship and love to you. Strengthen our faith today that we may have abiding fruit and lives of obedience of serving and knowing you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. I don't think it's a secret to any of us here today that the American family is in serious trouble. Half of all marriages, End in divorce, the average marriage lasts maybe seven years. People are waiting longer to get married. In fact, many are even opting out of marriage entirely. Fewer and fewer people are having children today. In fact, America has the greatest percentage of single-parent homes in the world. Raising children in 21st century America is probably the greatest challenge any parent has ever known in the history of our nation. Today, even kids can divorce their parents, believe it or not. Children are facing some great and major challenges. Parents are really concerned what technology is doing to their children. They're concerned for the morality of their children, unlike any other time. They're concerned for the safety of their children, unlike any other time in our nation's history. Today, being a parent is no easy task. I read about one young mother who had three unruly preschoolers. She was asked, would you do it all over again if you could? Would you have kids? And She said, sure, just not the same three. (laughs) Well, this morning I want to talk to you about the fifth commandment. Of God's Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12 says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord gives you. Honor your father and mother, that the days, your days, may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. This is the first commandment of all the Ten Commandments that comes with a promise. And this promise really is a principle. When you think about it, because if you build a society in which children honor their parents, you're going to build a lasting society. The opposite of that is true as well, that if you teach kids to dishonor their parents, society will soon crumble and fall apart. And that's what we're seeing today in the world around us. Now, this commandment is written to children. It says honor your father and your mother. I want you to notice that God is very careful. He does not specify what kind of mother or what kind of father you have. He doesn't say whether they're good or bad. There are no preconditions here. He simply says honor your mother and father. He's not saying whether your mom was good or pretty good or very good or very bad or somewhat bad. Simply honor your mother and your father. So what does that mean? How do you do that? I think it might help us to understand what God is saying here. If we look at what he's not saying, God is not saying, I want you to like your parents, although hopefully you do. He's not saying, I want you to have an emotive love for your parents, though you probably do. He is saying, I want you to honor your parents, to respect That they invested their lives in you, providing a home while you were growing up, giving you all the needs that you had to ensure that you could make it to adulthood. Respect the fact that they have invested their lives in raising you. You see, I think what God is really saying is this. When you put all the Ten Commandments together, and you understand this is the Fifth Commandment, the very first four commandments have to do with our relationship with God. And all four of those commandments really have to do with learning to respect God's authority. And so what this commandment is really saying is that the very first place that we must learn to respect authority and see authority being fleshed out is in our parents. And so what God is saying here is this, is that honoring your parents has to do with respecting authority not just because what your parents have done for you or are doing for you, but rather recognizing that God gave you these parents. And if you don't learn to respect authority first in the home, you're not going to learn it on the outside. I always get a kick out of kids who say, you know what, I'm so tired of being told what to do. When I grow up, I'm going to go join the military. (laughs) If the kids don't learn respect in the home then they're not going to learn it in the world. Or when they do, it's going to become harder and harder to understand it, and the consequences are far, far more severe. So this commandment is primarily speaking to sons and daughters. But this commandment is also speaking to moms and dads. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. I want to spend a couple of weeks. This week, we're going to look at parents in relationship to their children but next week I want to look at children in relationship to their parents this commandment covers both of them and I want us to look at both sides of this and take some time simply to invest in this here's what I want to begin to say is this if you want to be honored as parents then parents you must be honorable let me say that again if you want to be honored as parents then parents you must be honorable So the question is, how do we as parents gain the honor of our children? How do we do that? Let me suggest to you seven biblical insights, very practical insights that I want to share with you this morning in rapid-fire fashion, so to speak. The first one is this, is to be loving. Now, This may seem obvious say, I don't need to be told to love my children. I love my children. That's not what I'm talking about. Every parent loves their child. But the kind of love that I'm talking about here that the Bible strongly points us to is a love that intentionally prepares our children for success as adults. One of the Proverbs that we hear often is Proverbs 22.6 when it comes to parenting. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, most people interpret that verse to say, you know, if I just raise my child, talking about Jesus and showing them a personal relationship with Christ, I read the Bible, we pray, we go to church, we do all the Christian things, guess what? When he or she gets older, she may wander, he may wander, but when they get older, they'll return to their roots. This verse is saying something far, far more than that. Look at the words, in the way he should go. That word there, the way, is the Hebrew word for derech, which simply means to understand the unique mannerisms and characteristics in which your child, which God shaped them when he put them together. No two children are alike, are they? If you have more than one child, you'd say, that's exactly right. They have different personalities. They have different likes, different interests, different strengths, different weaknesses. And what this verse is saying is this, is that understand how God has uniquely put your child together in such a way that you as the parent recognize, discern their unique strengths and mannerisms and then point them in the direction the way God has shaped them. That's what he's saying. In other words, he's saying become a student of your child. Proverbs chapter 30 probably best illustrates this. Because he used the exact same word that is used here in Proverbs 22, verse 6. But in Proverbs chapter 30, it says this, There are three things in which are too wonderful for me, four, which I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the sky, the way of a serpent on a rock, the way of a ship in the middle of a sea, and the way of a man with a maid. All four times, the same Hebrew word is used here, and it's bringing out that there are distinctives or characteristics that are unique to each one of these illustrations. So when you watch an eagle fly, there's a regal majesty about that, isn't there? I was driving down the road just the other day, and a bald eagle was flying right down the middle of the road, right over the top of my car. And there's something majestic, something regal about that. Now, I can tell you if there was a chicken flying over my car, it wouldn't be nearly as regal. An eagle does not fly like a chicken or like a turkey. They have a unique way in which they take to flight. He says a serpent on a rock, the only good serpent to watch on a rock is from far away. But there's a unique kind of intriguing weirdness, isn't there, when you watch a, a snake slither on a rock. But they have a unique way in which they motate. There's nothing like being on a large ship out in the middle of the ocean. And there's simply a sense that is very different than when you're on a rowboat in the middle of a pond. There's something about being in a ship in the ocean. Or the romance of a man and a woman who are in love. Each one of these describe unique mannerisms of each one of these illustrations. And all of them are simply a reminder to us that God has uniquely wired, uniquely put together your children in different ways. And now our task as parents is to recognize their strengths, their abilities, their unique uh, interests, and so on. In other words, we're to become students of your children. I like Psalm 127 verse 4 says this. Like arrows in the heart or in the hand of a warrior are children uh, of one's youth. Now what that verse is saying that is very important is this. Is that like arrows in the hands of a warrior or like children of one's youth? Whenever you release an arrow from a bow, you don't just kind of randomly let it go, but whenever you put an arrow in the bow, you release it so it hits the target. And what that verse is saying is this that as parents, our task is to raise our children to release them. But not randomly. Hey, get out of the house. You're 18 now. Oh, that's right, you're 28. I'm sorry. No, but to raise them in a way that we intentionally release them so they hit the bullseye of life. And that means that we have a unique task and responsibility as parents to understand how has God uniquely put your children together, their strengths, their interests, their abilities? And then provide them opportunities and encourage them to grow in those areas of their strengths and their abilities. You see, it's a known fact that people succeed at what they enjoy doing. And your task is to help your children remember to learn how has God put them together. It is said that the average person will change their majors in college some four times. Four times. Do you know what that means? That means a lot of money. you know what else that means? A lot of wasted time. So they start on one degree, get a number of credits into it, pay for all those credits, and say, I don't want to do this. And so they change to another major, and then they change to another major. And then what happens is when they finally graduate, they don't even use the degree that they earned in their employment. So many children leave the home today not knowing how God has uniquely put them together. <clears throat> and so they wonder and they bumble around in life trying to figure out why am I here? What is my purpose? How am I wired? What God is saying is this invest in knowing and preparing your children as God has made them. Put them through an inquiry of tests. Find out what their strengths are. Help them understand. Provide opportunities. I have a good friend of mine whose son at a very young age, showed interest in being a pilot. And so what did he do? He took his son to, to, the, to the airport and he began to talk with pilots. And now that same son is a jet, uh, flies jets in the Air Force. Invest in your children's interests. I know of a mom. If you were to look at her library today, you would see an assortment of an eclectic kind of books on her bookshelf. But if you were to ask her why those books are there, she would tell you because those are the subjects that my children studied in college. She was a student of her children, and she pointed them in the direction that God had uniquely wired them and made them. You want to gain your children's honor? Then learn how to love them by understanding how God has uniquely put them together and point them in the direction which God has equipped them and strengthened them for life. They'll thank you later on. Second, be affirming. Be an encourager. When you see those strengths, when you see those abilities being exhibited, recognize them, point them out to your children. Say, you know what, you're really good at this. Have you ever thought about doing something more with this? Affirm your children. Colossians chapter 3 verse 21 says fathers. Now listen, he's talking to fathers because fathers have a propensity to do this more than moms. Fathers do not exasperate. That is frustrate, discourage your children or they will lose heart so that they don't lose heart. You see, if your children only hear criticism coming from you, you didn't do that quite right. You could have done that better. Why didn't you do this instead of that? You destroy their confidence. And even the things that they're good at, they're discouraged to even try. Do you know that it takes, on average, ten affirmations to undo one criticism? And yet many children grow up hearing more criticism than they do affirmation. Be affirming. Be affirming. Third, be affectionate. Don't be afraid to show affection to your children. Now, I have two daughters, and I held them in my arms from the day they were born. And there's something about daughters and fathers, isn't there? But as your children are growing up, I'll just be very candid with you. When they're very little, it's easy to hold them and snuggle and cuddle. But you know, as they get older, they start growing into young ladies. And they go, oh, uh, hmm, huh, how do I hug them now? But you know what, dads? You Hug your children anyhow. You give them the affection they need because if they don't find healthy affection from their father in the home, they're going to seek unhealthy affection in the world. Be affectionate to your children. Sometimes we think that, you know, when our children grow older, they don't need the affection they had when they were little. And they don't need it in the same way, but they still need your affection. Remember the story of the prodigal son? that Jesus told about the young man who went out and spent all of his father's wealth, and he ended up in a pigsty, and he realized, it says, he came to his senses, and he decided to come home. But as he came home, he was humbled and penniless. He smelled literally like a pig pen in rags. It says this, so when he got up, he came to his father, But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Now listen to what he's about to say. His father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. What a powerful picture of a father showing affection to his grown son. His father ran to him, embraced him in his arms and kissed him. Don't ever believe that your children don't need your affection. No matter what age they are, they need mom and dad's affection. And God has given you that unique and important role to model healthy affection in their lives. If they don't get it from you, they will seek unhealthy affection in the world. Be affectionate. Fourth, be attentive. James says in James chapter 1 verse 19, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents, aunts, uncles, whoever you are, take time to listen to your children. Remember the old adage that says this, children are to be seen and not to be heard? Whoever said that, that was really dumb. Because kids need to be heard. They need to be listened to. They need to know that you're listening to them. Now, I have to tell you, and I have a confession here to make, that as a father, as a dad, as a man, and women, you know this, That men are typically solution-oriented. Well, what's the problem? Let's fix it. Just do this, this, and this. And so every time my daughters would come to me with something, I would give them either advice or direction or something like that. And after a while, around our house, our daughters used to ask me this. you know, Dad, do you know what a wise man once said? I'd say, no. What? Nothing. (laughs) And I realized what they were really saying is, Dad, just listen. Just listen. That's what I really need is just for you to listen. You may have to work at this, because we, by nature, are not good listeners. In fact, there may be times that you really need to listen to your children when you are spent. It's at the end of the day. It may be late at night. It may be at any time. And your children need to talk to you, and you're going, oh, not now. I'm just so tired. But your children need to know that you're listening. It may mean that you're going to need to go into their bedroom, just sit down with them and just be quiet. Just be with them and listen to them. All of our children are different. Our girls were different. And so we had to figure out how do we communicate in such a way that we're listening to our daughters. And that's going to take some work on your part. But be attentive. They really need to know that you're listening. Fifth, be clear. Parents, be clear about your faith in Jesus Christ. Don't hide your faith. Don't be afraid to share about your personal relationship with Christ, the strengths, the weaknesses. Be real with them about your faith in Christ. Deuteronomy chapter 6 gives us some very practical guidance in this area. In Deuteronomy 6, verse 7, God is speaking primarily to fathers, but to parents as a rule. He says, you shall teach them diligently to your sons. That is God's word, God's laws. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Now, this verse comes from a group of verses called the Shema. The Shema is a Hebrew word imperative for listen. But more than that, listen with the intent to obey. And so what God is saying is this. Fathers, I want you to listen with the intent to obey, to put into practice what I'm sharing here, so that your children will practice what you're, they're learning from you. He says, you shall teach them diligently. The word, therefore, diligently, shenan, simply means to have a sharp or an alert readiness. Look for opportunities throughout the day, whether you are sitting in your house, whether you're walking by the way, whether you're lying down, whether you're rising up. Look for opportunities throughout the day to teach God's word in a very practical way to your children. Don't just wait for Sundays. Make God's Word a part of the fabric of everyday life. Give clear teaching to know God's Word and how to apply it in your life. Psalm 78 spells this out even further. It says, We will not conceal them from our children, that is, the works of God, but tell the genera- to tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wondrous works that He has done. For He established his testimony and Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children and the generation to come might know even children yet to be born that they may arise and tell them to their children that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God but keep his commandments Your children's confidence comes from seeing and hearing your faith being lived out in the home, and they grow in their confidence in God. And probably the greatest privilege and responsibility that you've been given as a parent is to point your children to Jesus Christ. I don't need to say this, but I'm going to say it. Because maybe I do. I've heard parents say, you know, I'm not going to worry about telling my kids what to believe. I'm going to let them decide for themselves. Parents, that is disastrous advice. Don't do that. God has given you the privilege and responsibility to point your children to Jesus Christ. And to share with them not only what it looks like being lived out in your life. But the responsibility of explaining why it is so important that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is the only way to heaven. There is no other way. And they need to see that lived out in your life. Not just on Sundays. They don't want to hear any flowery prayers at the dinner table that they know is a bunch of nonsense because you're not really living it out in your life. Be eloquent in how you live your life out for Christ. Don't worry about trying to be eloquent in your prayers. Your kids see through that. And they want to know, do you really know Jesus? Is Jesus really real to you? This is really true for fathers. Fathers, did you know that you have the greatest leverage in your family determining the future of your children's faith more so than their moms? That fathers who are real about their relationship with Jesus Christ, who go to church, who are involved in fellowship, who are involved in serving the Lord, their kids, their sons in particular, will follow the Lord more likely than anything else. Now, mom can do that, and that's a good thing. It has a huge influence, but nothing like fathers. Dads, you are the hub of the wheel. And if you don't set the example, if your kids don't see that Christ is real in your life, you're setting them up for failure. A typical day around our house, while our girls were growing up, started off early in the morning, around a warm wood stove. This went on for years. Every morning, our family would get up, and because our daughters were homeschooled, they were in their pajamas. They went to school in their pajamas. That's pretty cool. I'm going to be in trouble for that, I can tell you already. <laughs> but they would sit around that warm wood stove, and my wife would open up God's Word, and she'd read a portion of that Word And then they would talk about it. They did this day in and day out, day in and day out. By the time they were well into their teens, both our girls had read through the Bible numerous times. And had discussed it along the way. God's word was part of the fabric of our everyday life in our home. We had amazing conversations about significant things relating to our faith in Christ in our home. Now, I had the unique privilege and opportunity to be teaching as well. And so I would take my daughters into the classroom with me at at school in the Bible college. And we would come home and we'd have some of the greatest conversations about the deepest theological things that sometimes students wouldn't even entertain. They'd go, where did you get this from? because they've been reading the Bible. Today, their faith is their own. They are genuine followers of Christ. And I can only attribute that to the grace of God. And I'm very, very thankful to my wife, who faithfully loved and homeschooled and raised and nurtured our children in God's word. What an incredible privilege that you have as a mom and dad to do that. Make God's Word central to your home. Along the way, our children's ministries here in this church family and Awana have been a significant part of our children's lives as well. Both of our children started Awana when they were about three years of age and completed it at the age of 18 and then came back and helped out afterwards and even during I can't say enough of how thankful I am as a dad that as I look at my church family, I thank all of you who had a part in nurturing and modeling, investing God's word, not just in my girls' lives, but in so many, many children's lives. I know that Kelly and Richie are downstairs right now They're watching this. They should be sitting right there. But they can see or they can hear you. But would you all, right now, just stand and give a hand of appreciation for every one of our people in children's ministry right now? Now, as you sit down, before you do, all of you who are involved with Awana or a children's ministry, would you remain standing? I want you to know that you are making an eternal difference in children's lives. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. May the Lord bless you. Kelly, I know you're downstairs. Richie, I know you're downstairs, but thank you as well. Invest in God's word in their life. Be clear about that. Number six is be prayerful. Now, I don't have to ask you to pray for your children. That's like breathing, isn't it? Of course I'm going to pray for my children. It comes naturally. And we should pray for our children, but we should also pray with our children. There is nothing like taking your child's hand on a regular basis, and praying with them. Prayer is one of the most powerful ways to demonstrate your faith in your son and daughter's life. It is inviting God into the very heart of your relationship with your child. Prayer was a part of our fabric of our home. We prayed before every meal, Oh, sometimes we'd miss. And I'd say, you know, let's just eat and be thankful. But we rarely missed a time of prayer. And oftentimes I'd say, you know, one well, of you pray, and they would pray. We prayed at the end of the day. We prayed at the beginning of the day. We prayed throughout the day. Whenever we got in the car, oftentimes we'd pray before we began a journey somewhere. We prayed about life struggles and challenges. We prayed for others. Prayer was the very air we breathed in our home. And there are a number of places that we look through Scripture where parents pray for their children. But one of the places that stands out to me that is so significant is about a young mom who wants to be a mom who's praying that God would give her a son. And her name is Hannah. It's instructive to hear the words of her prayer because it speaks to a parent's heart of prayer for his or her child. Before Hannah had her son, Samuel, before God answered that prayer, she prayed this, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, so then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. Hannah kept her vow. When young Samuel was old enough, she handed him into the capable hands of Eli, the high priest, and he raised him. But one thing I don't have to look at scriptures to know, but I know the very heart of Hannah in this prayer, that she prayed for her young son all the days of his life. We cannot pray enough for our children. For years, I prayed some very specific prayers for our girls on a regular basis. I prayed that they would come to know Jesus Christ early in their lives, that they would have a hatred for sin, that they would be caught when they're guilty, that they would be protected from the evil one in each of the areas of their lives, spiritual and emotional and physical. That they'd have a responsible attitude in all their interpersonal relationships. That they'd respect those who are in authority over them. That they would desire the right kind of friends and be protected from the wrong ones. That they, as well as their mate, would be kept pure until marriage. That they would be kept from the wrong mate and saved for the right one. That they would learn to totally submit to God and actively resist Satan in all circumstances. That they would be single-hearted, willing to be sold out for Jesus Christ. That they would be hedged in so that they cannot find their way to the wrong people or wrong places and that wrong people cannot find their way to them. I prayed like this for years. And I often told them what I was praying for them. And we prayed together about these things. Many a time I remember the conversations where I prayed with our daughters over their future mate, over the direction that God would have them take in their lives, over the purity of their faith and the strength of their faith in Christ. What an incredible privilege you have to pray with your children. I remember years ago, I went to, went to Rome, and I went there for about several weeks to teach. Before I left home, the time was going to be different when I was over there than what it was going to be here. But remember, we set up a time that every day at such a time as they prayed, I'd be praying at the same time. This morning, as I was preparing this message, it was interesting, I received two different texts, both from our daughters, reminding me they were praying. You cannot pray enough, but be prayerful for your children. Finally, be consistent. Be consistent. Mom and dad, if you're not consistent in your behavior, consistent in your actions, consistent in your words, consistent in your faith, you're setting your children up. For pain, painful heartache. Consistency, wrote one person, is a jewel that is worth wearing. It's an anchor worth weighing. It's a thread worth weaving. It is the battle worth winning. Consistency simply is saying what you mean and meaning what you say, being consistent in your words as well as your actions. Consistency serves as a guardrail, if you will, that keeps your children on the right road and protects them from going off. And if we don't give our children consistency, we're setting them up for failure. But this is a very good place for me to say this. I want you to know there's not one perfect parent here this morning. Not one. And some of you right now may be feeling a little guilty like, Oh, oh why didn't I? I want you to know that every parent, no matter how good your intentions are, no matter how way, well laid out your plans are, every single one of us as parents have regrets. I wish I'd have done this instead of that. I wish I'd have never said that. I wish I would have said that. We all have regrets, mom and dad. Not one of us are perfect. You're not always going to get it Right. Don't be afraid to tell your children, hey, you know what? I got that wrong. Will you forgive me? Be real with your children and be consistent. Consistency will keep them on the road in their actions and their behavior, their attitudes, their faith. It will give them the model that they need coming from you. When we are inconsistent as parents, There are many, many illustrations. We see this in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But in particular, there's one that came to my mind as I thought through this. It has to do with David's fourth son, Adoniah. Adoniah was Absalom's brother, younger brother. And Adoniah, like his older brother, was very, very handsome. And when David is old and about to die, Adoniah decided that he would would set himself up as king. Now, Absalom and Ammon, his older brothers, and Chibaliah, his older brother, probably all deceased, leaving him as the oldest son. And he probably believed that he was the rightful one who should be the heir of the king. And so it says in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 5, that Adonijah exalted himself, saying, I will be king. So he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen with 50 men to run before him. He knew exactly how to stage this dramatic event and win the hearts of the people. But Adonai also knew this. His father had already chosen the king and that king would be Solomon. But Adonai decided to take matters into his own hands and try and force the situation his own way. We don't have to wonder what was going on in his heart because the very next verse says this. His father, David, never crossed him at any time asking him, why have you done so? At no time in Adonijah's life did David ever discipline or correct him. The word there for crossed has the idea of displeased. He never uh, disciplined him in such a way that he made his son feel like, oh, why did he do that? He never crossed his son. He failed to properly restrain his son's Youthful passions. In other words, David failed to put guardrails in Adonai's life. And the only thing that David was really consistent at was being inconsistent as a father. Consistency takes vigilance. It takes attention. Mom and dad, I can't say enough about being consistent. You want your children to honor you? Be consistent. Be the mom and dad that's honorable to them in their lives that they need. In 1993, there were some workers who were moving and remodeling the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. While they were moving one of the display cabinets, they discovered behind this display cabinet was a picture with a note attached to it. On the picture was an old photograph of a kindly but stocky man in a baseball uniform that had the words Sinclair Oil on the front. Attached to it was a note written in a man's scrawl that said, You were never too tired to play ball. On your days off, you helped build the Little little League field. You always came to watch me play. You were a Hall of Fame dad. I wish I could share this moment with you. No one had any idea how that photograph got there or who put it there or or who was in the photograph. A national sports magazine picked up the touching story and a man came forward and said that he was the one who had tucked that picture in the display cabinets between them during a visit to the Hall of Fame. You see, the ball player in this picture was his father. And just like the notes said, he was proud that his dad had believed in him and he believed his dad deserved special recognition. So one day while he was at the Hall of Fame, he decided to honor his father by having his own little ceremony and inducting him into the Hall of Fame. And he tucked the picture in the display cabinets. All we know about this, fa- this son, this father, is that how his son honored him, nothing else. We really don't need to know anything else, do we? In this son's life, this father had hit a home run. This son honored his father. Every believing parent wants their children to obey God by honoring their mother and their father. We want our children to honor us from hearts of joy and gratitude. Then we need to be the parents that are honorable, Need to be the parents who love our children, who are affectionate with their children, who are clear about our faith, who are consistent with what we believe and how we live. Mom and dad, many of you still have days ahead of you. Stay on the right road. Maybe your parents or your children are already raised and they're gone. Guess what? You know what I've learned? You're still mom and dad. You're still mom and dad. They still need your time, your attention, your heart, your affection, your prayers, your consistency. You see, you never stop being dad. You never stop being mom. That calling never leaves. And God has given you a unique and powerful privilege to be that parent in which your children will honor. Let's live lives that honor God and therefore allow our children to honor us. Will you pray with me? Right now, with your heads bowed, I know that as I've walked through the words of this message, I suspect that some... Mothers and fathers here today felt the twinge of pain, maybe of guilt, of regret, sadness, wishing somehow we could go back and we could recapture those lost moments of time. We could undo those words and those actions but we can't. So, Father, I pray that you would help us to look ahead. Forgive us, Lord, where as parents we have not been perfect. Forgive us, Lord, where we didn't clearly and boldly and faithfully live out the calling that you've called us, the high calling as parents. But Lord, I pray as we look to the days ahead, may we lift our heads in your forgiveness and look to the future and show us, Lord, I pray, how to be parents for our children as they have need of now. Help us to reach into their lives, to love them where they're at. And I pray, Lord, that through our lives as mothers and fathers you would speak powerfully in our love for you and our love for them open doors of opportunity Lord that may seem lost or even hopelessly closed would you renew a hope and a desire in our children's lives to have a relationship with their mother and father that they long for and help us, I pray, as moms and dads, to recognize, to rise to the opportunity. Thank you, Father, for our children. We pray, Father, for them, that they would truly know you, truly walk with you, be protected from the evil one, spiritually, physically, and emotionally. Fully devoted to you, Lord Jesus. And help us as parents to model an undivided heart for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the moms and dads that are here. Thank you for their love. Thank you for their dedication. Thank you, Lord, for their love for you. We pray these things in your strong name, Jesus. Amen.